Well, grace and peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I send greetings not only from the Lord, but also from the flock at Christ Church in Brownsburg, Indiana. They uh, send their warmest gospel greetings to you, thanking you for your fellowship, but also wanting to encourage you that the Lord is at hand and we can trust him and look to him together, not only as individual churches, but as the Church of Christ living here in the world, bearing witness to the Lord Jesus together. May he increase our witness and may he add a blessing to this evening as we hear the word of God preached. I want to invite you to open up your copy of the scriptures to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 45 through 52. And as you're turning there in the scriptures, I want to just ask you a few questions before we hear the text this evening. What trouble... What difficulty, what problems do you face in your life as individuals? What is going on in your hearts even right now that you might find troublesome or difficult? Think about your home. What is it that you face even as a family? What trouble, what difficulty, what hardships? Think about your community. Think about your county. Let us think about our state. Let's think about our nation. What trouble, what difficulty, what problems do we face? Yes, we find ourselves on this terrestrial ball together. What trouble, what hardship, what problems do we face? I think in that line of questioning, all of us can pinpoint something and address something immediately where we're going, yes, I'm in trouble. I need help. From the youngest among us to the oldest among us, I want to encourage you as we hear the word of God read this evening, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look for the Lord in this text. See who he is. See what he does. See how he reigns in trouble. As you hear the word of God read, this morning, this evening. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through verse 52. Hear now God's inspired and errant and infallible word. Let's heed the word together. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came... The boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. 
This concludes the reading of God's word. Let's pray for a blessing on our hearing and our receiving of the word this evening. Our great and glorious God, we thank you for your grace. That you would speak to us and you would speak to us in such a way through your word that we can understand and know more about who Jesus is. Our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Father, open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. And cultivate in our hearts a hunger and a desire to know Jesus. And to follow him wherever he leads us. To obey his command. And to trust him in every circumstance we find ourselves in with him. Father, we ask that you would add a blessing to your word tonight by helping helping us... Listen to your spirit and to your your word to work salvation in our hearts that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus to serve you and to love you and to glorify your name together in our fellowship and also personally in our witness to the world. We ask this in Jesus' glorious and powerful and conquering name. Amen. What we see in this text immediately, and Mark, I know that you've been studying the gospel, Mark. Mark loves the term, the word, immediately. But what we find here in our text this evening is an interesting immediately. Because Jesus has just multiplied loaves and fishes to feed a great crowd of 5,000 men. Now, we don't know how many women and children there were in the crowd, but we do know it was a mighty crowd. And the Lord Jesus immediately makes his disciples in a sudden act, in in an urgency. There's some kind of urgency going on here. Jesus immediately tells his disciples, get into that boat and get away to Bethsaida. Why the urgency? Why this command to separate his band of followers, his apostles, from the crowd, and then to address the crowd to send them away? Well, in John 6, we we learn that Jesus, after feeding the crowd, after meeting their needs, they desired to make him king. They desired to exalt him to the place of authority. But Jesus will not be given authority by men. No, his authority comes from the Father, and he is given his authority, given his, his spirit, to work and to minister among his people. Jesus will not become king because men will it. Jesus is king because God has established it. And Jesus knows that he needs to separate his apostles from the crowd immediately to get them away from this crowd that would make him king. So immediately he sends them to Bethsaida, to the other side, so that they can get some rest and refreshment. Bethsaida is a place the disciples and Jesus will return to for rest and for refreshment. But Jesus immediately tells them with urgency, Get into the boat, go away, to guard them, to protect them from the ideas of men so that he might continue to be the Lord over their thinking and how he is going to lead them ultimately to the place where he will be made king. That will include a cross and a grave and a glorious resurrection. Not the way of men, the way of God will be the way that Jesus has declared to the world that he is king. Not the will of men, the will of the Lord. So that's the urgency. Separating the disciples, sending them off to a place of rest and refreshment, and sending the crowds away. But what we see going on through the text now is Jesus leading, sending his disciples out of the wilderness place, drawing them out of the wilderness place, and sending them out 
into a windstorm. It is the Lord with urgency that sends them out. It's the Lord who with urgency takes them out of the wilderness place where he has just met all their needs and sends them out into a mighty windstorm. Hear that. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who sends his disciples into the wind. How have you heard of the Lord Jesus as you've been studying the gospel of Mark? Mark wants you to see Jesus, and Mark wants you to see Jesus clearly. And however many weeks ago you were in the earlier parts of Mark chapter 6, you see that Jesus is our shepherd king who leads us into the wilderness place, but yet he finds green grass and pasture where he meets the needs of his people, even in the wilderness place. You see our Lord, the shepherd king, satisfying the hunger of men and perfectly providing for his church there in the wilderness place. Remember the 12 baskets given to the 12 apostles. What are those little lunch boxes but God's perfect provision for them? So Jesus, our shepherd king, is what we saw last time, but what do we see here in the text? What is it that Jesus is showing us about himself here In this passage, brothers and sisters, I want you to see. Yes, Jesus is our shepherd king who leads us and provides for us in in the wilderness place. But take heart, be of good courage in your trouble, in your hardship, in your circumstances. The Lord has not forgotten you. He is the sovereign Lord who tramples over the waves and rides through the wind. He is the sovereign Lord over creation. I want you to look at Job 9 with me. Job gives us a beautiful meditation on who the Lord is. Job 9 says, then Job answered and said in verse 2, truly I know that it is so, but how can a man be in the right before God? If one wished to contend with him, one could not answer him once in a thousand times. He, the Lord, is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and succeeded? He who removes mountains and they know it not. When he overturns them in his anger, who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. Who commands the sun and it does not rise. Who seals up the stars. Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. Who made the bear in Orion, the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south? Who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number? Behold, observe, pay attention, look, behold, he passes by me, and I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. I do not know him. I do not have an an intellectual acquaintance with him. Behold, he snatches away. Who can turn him back? Who will say to him, what are you doing? Do you see the sovereign Lord that Job meditates on and thinks upon? Mark is showing that this is the sovereign Lord who tramples the waves of the sea here in this text. Know this. See this. Jesus is the sovereign Lord that even in your difficulty, even in 
hardship, even in trials. He is the sovereign Lord who tramples over the waves. And in his trampling, he brings you, he brings me, a glorious, peace-giving salvation. First, I want you to see that after they had taken leave, he stays on the land, and they are sent out to the sea. But what is Jesus doing there on the land? Taking leave of them, he went up onto the mountain to pray. We need to mark this very closely as we see this in the gospel mark. Every time you see just Jesus withdrawing to pray. That all gospel ministry, even Jesus' ministry, flows out of communion and union with God. If we are not in union with Christ, we will be working from our own resources and we will do more than burn out. We will rust out. All gospel ministry flows from communion and union with the Father for Jesus. Therefore, all gospel ministry must flow from union and communion with us, with the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the first time I had gone out to the presbytery uh, to a conference. I got to meet and had the privilege of meeting Ken Smith. And I was sharing a little bit of my testimony, my pastoral experience with him. He says, Mr. Shaver, hear one thing. And this is a 90-year-old man. When 90-year-old men, you listen really, when they speak, you listen really closely. He said, don't look for opportunities to do ministry. Seek union with Christ and ministry will flow. If you go out looking for it, you'll wear yourself out. But if you seek union with Christ, you'll have opportunities everywhere. So hear that. The Lord Jesus even shows us that all gospel ministry flows from union and communion with Christ. But after he spent this time with his father, he sees at evening time, mark that, the time of day, evening time around 6 p.m. In the evening, the boat is out on the sea, and he's alone on the land. But what does he see? He saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. At that evening hour, the Lord Jesus looks out upon the sea, and he sees the trouble his disciples are in. He sees their struggle, the wind against them. And I don't know if you've ever spent any kind of time on a motorboat going into the wind. is rough and difficult and hard. But think about rowing a boat into the wind, trying to get to the other side. The text tells us that they were making their way, headway, painfully. There's a struggle. It's a fight. It's exhausting. But note... In your difficulty, in your making headway painfully, in your circumstances and struggles, just as the disciples were, the sovereign Lord sees you. He sees you in your trouble. I want you to mark that. He sees us in our struggle. He saw them and he knew their difficulty. Does that remind you of Yahweh when he speaks to the people and speaks to Moses about the people in Egypt? God saw. God heard. And so God moved to come to their, to, to their deliverance. The Lord God, the sovereign Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ sees you. He sees us and he saw the disciples making headway painfully. Do not lose heart. 
The Lord is aware of the circumstances that you find yourself in. What was it that came to mind when I asked the questions at the beginning? What was the thing you pinpointed? Maybe it was on a global scale, a national scale, a state scale, a family scale, or a personal scale. Whatever it was that came to mind, brothers and sisters, the Lord sees you. He sees your struggle. He sees your difficulty. He knows how gracious the Lord is to be mindful of men and women and boys and girls such as us. But he saw them. And then it says he moves into action in the text. He moves toward them. And look how long he waits to move toward them. Remember I said at evening time he sees them. But the text continues in verse 48 and says, And about the fourth watch of the night. Now, we don't speak of time in those terms anymore. But it's anywhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. The fourth watch of the night. They've been making headway painfully since evening time. 6 p.m. to maybe 6 a.m. Struggling exerting their energy, absolutely exhausted from their toil to obey their master who said, go across to the other side, to Bethsaida. Much time has passed. Much energy has been spent and they are not making progress. But the Lord sees them. And I want you to see this secondly. He came to them. He makes his way toward them the text tells us at the fourth watch of the night he came to them how does the lord come to them he does not hire a a taxi boat he does not look for some little uh sailboat to grab it to jump into to get to them it's the most shocking thing that we have heard and we know we know what's coming because we've read our bibles well but hear this he came to them walking on the sea Again, walking on the sea, Jesus, a man sent to us from God, is walking on the sea. Men, I know you know this, men don't walk on the sea. Men sink in the sea, and if they're any good, they might swim for a little bit in a windstorm. But no one, no one walks on the sea, but who Job tells us tramples over the waves it's the sovereign lord who sees them it's the sovereign lord who comes to them trampling over the waves in the middle of a windstorm the wind hinders the disciples but oh brothers and sisters the wind does not hinder the sovereign lord he comes to them in their distress he walks to them in his sovereignty to them walking on the Children, that might be the first time you heard that, that Jesus walked on the water. The awe, the wonder of a man walking on the sea. Brothers and sisters who are more mature in the room, does that still surprise you? Does that still shock you as as glorious and wonderful? Because only the Lord God walks on the waves. Do you see who Jesus is? The sovereign Lord trampling over the waves. The wind is against them, but he cuts through the wind and comes to them. 
how gracious it is of the Lord to not only see us and to know about our suffering, but brothers and sisters, the Lord sees you. The Lord knows, and he will come to you in your distress. He will come to you in your trouble. Just as Jesus walks to them in the wind, he is still gracious. He's still compassionate. He's still kind. He sees, he knows, he will come to you. Are you looking for him? Do you expect him to meet you in your trouble? Because he will. The text tells us again that as he comes to them, again, walking on the sea, he meant to pass by them. This is not a directional or a destinational point. When it says that he meant to pass by them, if we were just what some people today say, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm like, what is a New Testament Christian? I don't, I don't understand. They know their New Testament really well, but if we want to understand this passage, we need to know our Old Testaments. We need to study the word of God, all the word of God, in order just to understand that sentence. He meant to pass by them. It's not a destination thing. It's not a direction thing. It's a revelation thing. What Jesus means, what Jesus intends to do by passing by them is to reveal to them who he is, to show forth his glory, not to beat them to the other side. It's not a race. Jesus is going to reveal to his disciples who he is. Because the Lord God, the sovereign Lord, has done this in Exodus 33. When Moses says, show me your glory, Lord, the Lord in his grace and his kindness and his compassion passes by Moses, revealing who he is, declaring his name, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and mercy. When it says that Jesus intended to pass them by, he meant to pass them by, brothers and sisters, he's walking on the water to show them who he is. Again, it's not about direction. It's about revelation. Do you see him in his sovereignty, the sovereign Lord, coming to them in their distress, seeing them and knowing their troubles? He comes to them and reminds them of who he is. Only the sovereign Lord, only the sovereign Lord walks on the water and he wants his disciples to see them, to see him. But verse 49 tells us, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him. They perceive him with their, with their eyes. With their eyes, they see the Lord walking on the water. They know that there's something out there. But do they know who it is that's out there? It says that when they saw him walking on the water, they thought it was a ghost. It's, it's a spirit of some sort because men don't walk on the water. What is this that we're seeing? And they cried out in fear and in terror. For they all saw him. And they were all filled with an anxiety that rises to the level, the hip kids say, of losing it. Terrified. Overwhelmed. 
Have you ever been exhausted and then scared? That's terror. It's not a, you know, walking around the corner and somebody's boo. And you're shocked for a second. Your heart rate might rise for a moment. But it's this long, settled anxiety that fills you with fear and sticks. They cried out because their exhaustion clashed with terror. That's why they cried out. Because they did not perceive who it was that was passing before their eyes. How many times in our trial and in our circumstances, in our hardship, in our problems, do we become so overwhelmed with the battle that we're fighting that even in the Lord and his grace, we're so full of fear, we can't even perceive what he's doing in the midst of our trial. We're blinded with exhaustion and we didn't perceive the Lord well when we're in that state. And we might give up and think that surely it's not the Lord. It must be a ghost. It must be something else come to torment me when it's the very person who has come to comfort you. In our trials, we often become very afraid and filled with terror. But the Lord sees you. He knows you. He comes to you. And when he comes to you, he wants to show you his sovereign power. Look for him in the storm. They do not perceive, and we know why they do not perceive later on, but it says that they all saw him. What do you expect Jesus to do at that point? You know, be, be radically honest with yourself. He's seen them. He comes to them. He's showing them his glory, and they don't perceive him rightly. What is it that you expect Jesus to say to them in that moment? Come on, guys. Don't you know yet? How long have you been with me? And you still don't get it? Maybe it's an overbearing father that we hear, that we would expect to hear. You know? Have a backbone. Why are you so scared? Maybe it's the bad counselor. Get over it. What is it that you expect the Lord Jesus to see, to say in that moment? Hear his words to them. How gracious, how kind, how powerful a word he speaks. In their terror, in their fear, the text tells us, but immediately, there it is again, with urgency and quickly, immediately he spoke to them. And his words to them were, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Immediately, he graciously speaks to them, comfort and courage. He immediately speaks to them, seeking to calm their anxiety before he calms the storm. Seeking to show them who he is and how he's come near to them. But we need to pay a careful attention to the words that he says to them. Take heart. Be of good courage. Believe. 
Trust. Rely. Put your confidence in me. I have come near. Take courage. Literally, I am. It is I is a good, solid translation of this text. But literally, it is, take courage, I am. What grace, what compassion that Jesus does not disguise or cover up anything. He speaks to them in their terror that I am is here. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God whose steadfast love endures forever and ever and ever has come to you in your distress. Take courage. Don't fear. In, in terror, one of the worst things that you might think someone could say is, don't be afraid. Like it's when somebody's like really losing it and the first thing you say is, calm down. And all the time someone has said, calm down to someone who's really afraid and literally losing it calm down has never worked but if it's coming from the mouth of the sovereign lord and you're filled with terror and you're in distress and he comes to you and i am speaks to you do not be afraid you can cease being afraid the god of jacob is with us i am is here do not be afraid what happens to you when you're afraid How many of you are flailers? Oh my! Everything's wrong. Everything's going bad. And you begin to flail. I'm not making fun of you. I'm with you. How many of you are spiralers? It's bad, and you know the way to make it worse. You just spiral down. Deep, deep down. Keep going down. Don't worry. I'm also one of you. Flailing, spiraling. Some of you are really good at this. I'm not, I'll be honest. Freezing. Just not doing anything but keeping your eyes open because you're going to withstand the trouble. You have a a backbone of steel. You can watch. Even though you might be afraid, you're still going to watch. And you just freeze. How many of us here, when we're afraid, are avoiders? It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. It's going to get better. Maybe you're an optimist. Just you just, but you avoid reality. If you're afraid, in your trouble and your circumstance, you don't have to fake it with the Lord Jesus. Whether you be a flailer or a spiraler or a freezer or an avoider, the Lord comes to you and He says to you in His sovereignty, "I have come to you because I see your distress. Do not be afraid. I am is here." Take courage in your trouble. Take courage in your difficulty. The Lord sees. He knows. He's come to you. He's come to us. We know he's come because the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. We're not awaiting for the Lord to again show us somehow in some way, shape, or form in the future that he has come to us. He has come to us. That's what the gospel is all about. The Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, Philippians teaches us. The Lord is at hand. 
He is near. What does it mean to be at hand? It's like, I really don't know anything about Bloomington. If it wasn't for Apple Maps, I would have gotten lost. Driving down First Street, if I had to pull over just a block away, and I pulled over and I said, do you know where Bloomington Reformed Presbyterian Church is? They might say, oh, it's at hand, one more block. Where's the bookstall? Walk down the steps, take a left, another left. It's at hand. It's just right around the corner. There it is. It's here. It's just over there. The Lord is at hand. He has come near to us. We can trust him. Maybe you need to hear this. I am is here right now. Take courage. Do not be afraid. Easier said than done. Do you see the Lord? Have you seen his power in this text? The wind is against his disciples, but he makes his way through the wind, walking on the water to him. This is the sovereign Lord who desires to make himself known to you and to speak to you this evening in your trouble and your hardship and in your problem. I am is here. Take courage. Do not be afraid. What comfort this is for us. What a blessing this is for us to hear this evening. Because I think all of us need to take courage, not in our own strength, but in realizing that the Lord sees us, he's come to us, and he's revealed himself to us as the Lord who can help. Maybe you're afraid. Don't lose heart. I am is here. He's come to you because he sees you and he wants you to know I am is here. There's no greater help. There's no greater power to deliver you. He has spoken to you. He has spoken to me. Are we paying attention? Do not let your hearts grow hardened, but hear and see and know that the Lord is able to save just by simply being with you. But in his compassion and his kindness, the Lord gets into the boat with them. He gets into the boat with them, and then the wind ceases. Did you notice the order of that? They're still in trouble when Jesus is walking to them. They stay in trouble when Jesus comes to the side of the boat. The wind doesn't die down even when he speaks to them. It's only when he gets in the boat that the wind ceases. I don't know how long you've been in your trial. I don't know how long you've been dealing with your anxiety, your fear, or the troubling situations you find yourself in. What I do know is that the Lord is here and he's speaking to you. And he will bring peace to you. He has promised that he will deliver his people. It might not be immediately, but he will bring you peace. It might not be this evening, but he will bring you peace. Because he has the authority not only to speak his truthful word about who he is to you, just in one more step, he's able to make it all stop. And there will be a day 
when there will be no more suffering, no more death, no more tears. All the battles that rage around us will cease, and it will be the Lord's doing. He makes war cease. What's his command to us in Psalm 46, verse 10? Be still and know I am the Lord. Cease striving. Trust me. Where is your confidence? Where is your hope in your trial? The Lord sees. He's come to you and he speaks to you. I am is here. Boy, we have these final two verses to deal with. He gets into the boat and the winds cease. But notice that the disciples are utterly astounded. They are overwhelmed with wonder. It says they're utterly astounded. But why are they utterly astounded? Verse 52, for they did not understand about the loaves. I thought it might have to do something with wind and walking on water and wind ceasing immediately, that they're utterly astounded in the moment. But beautiful, glorious word of God that we have in front of us, it's, it's over the loaves that they didn't understand. It's over the multiplying of the loaves in the previous passage that they're utterly astounded. They're utterly astounded about the loaves and their hearts. Their hearts were hardened. Because who is it that feeds his people in the wilderness place? Who is it the one that brings bread from heaven and satisfies the hunger of his people? It's I am. It's Yahweh. It's the sovereign Lord who shepherds his people in the wilderness place, providing bread for them. But they did not understand. They just saw Jesus doing another miracle. They did not see God meeting them and providing for them and their hunger in the wilderness place. They're astounded because they do not understand who it is that's in the boat with them. Because their hearts were hardened. Not the crowds, not the Pharisees, not the scribes, not the Gentiles, the apostles who just come back from their wonderful ministry of proclamation and miracles, their hearts were hardened. Oh, let us be warned here. Let us who are considered among the faithful, who show up week in and week out to worship the Lord rightly and to call out upon his name and to give him praise rightly, to sing to him about who he is, do you know who he is, or do you just know mere facts about him? Are you trusting him? Are you relying on him? Are you hoping in him? Because we are prone, just as the apostles, to have hard hearts. When you hear the gospel preached, do you see Jesus for who he is? The shepherding king who meets your needs? the sovereign Lord who tramples over the waves? And do you rejoice to see that your Savior and your Lord has come and met with you again to speak his word, the gospel word, I am is here, and rejoice in your hearts? Are you still, he might show up someday. I think he's just on vacation right now. No, 
That is not the Lord. Let not your hearts be hardened in your circumstances, in your trial. See and know who it is that sees you, comes to you, and speaks to you. It is the Lord. Trust him. Put your confidence in him. Believe on him, brothers and sisters, because he has come to show you a mighty salvation. Let not your hearts be hardened as your fathers were in the wilderness and as the apostles were in the boat. Oh, Bloomington Reformed Presbyterian Church, let's pay close attention not only to what Jesus is doing in the Gospel of Mark, but who Mark is saying Jesus is. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is your shepherd king who satisfies you in the wilderness place. But he's also the sovereign Lord who tramples the waves. Believe on him. Trust in him. All of us, every one of us, put your confidence in him. Just as you were sitting in that chair with all of your weight off your feet, relying on those pews to hold you up, You can trust Jesus more with your life. Throw your weight, all of your hope, all of your faith completely on Jesus and he will show you his power. You can trust the Lord. He's here. Take courage. Do not lose heart. Let's pray. Our great and glorious God, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you how you have spoken to us and you have not stuttered. May our faith give us eyes to see the Lord Jesus, the sovereign Lord, reigning in the midst of the raging winds and the trampling waves to come to us, to speak to us about who you are and how we should respond. Lord, for anyone who needs courage and to take heart this evening, I pray that you would hear your command. I am is here. Take heart. For any of us who are afraid or terrified, or full of anxiety this evening. May we hear your words spoken to us, your gracious and kind and compassionate word. Do not be afraid. I am is here. Your power is evident. You trampled the waves. Your glory is known because you passed before us and you've spoken to us about you, who you are. The great I am who's come to deliver your covenant people. Open our hearts to receive this with great faith and great joy as we continue to fix our eyes on you and follow you wherever you lead. Whether that be into conflict, into the wilderness, into winds and waves, or whether that be to a cross, we know that you know the way to a glorious salvation, even a glorious resurrection. Father, increase our faith, soften our hearts, We ask this in Jesus' powerful, sin-conquering, glorious name. Amen. Let's stand to sing Psalm 107, Selection D. As you rise to sing, notice the fourth stanza says, The storm he changed into a calm by his command and will. And so the waves which raged before, now quiet, were, and still The Psalms speak of our sovereign Lord who tramples over the waves. Let's stand and sing of our great sovereign Lord together to the praise of his name.